on the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with this afternoon. I am with Anna Dean and Guy Williams. First to this, one stage during Cyclone Gabrielle played havoc with our power structure. There were 225,000 without power at one stage. For the vast majority, it has been reinstated, but for some, still no luck. Imagine going 10 days plus without power, no mean feat. And if you are still without power, do get in touch with me at 2101, or you can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me is Heather Goody, who lives in Bayswater. Heather, kia ora, good to have you on the panel. Kia ora, Wallace. Now, I understand there was some uh, movement this morning, some workmen, but how long have you been without power? Well, I got a text today from one of my neighbours with a woohoo, so I believe when I get home today, we will have power on, and it went off on Tuesday night during the cyclone. Touch wood, touch wood, fingers crossed. Yep. So, hang yep. on, that's what, 12 days? Yep, that's 12 <sighs> days. That is... That is unbelievable. You've said, Heather, that this has taken quite an emotional toll on you. It has. And, I mean, the main part is the really poor communication from Vector. So that's been the roller coaster ride. We've all been ringing every day. We get different stories every day. We've been told it's turned on when there's literally power lines still sitting on the ground outside our house. It's just unbelievable. Yes, now we um, tr- we did get hold of Vector and we uh, asked them to come on the program as well, Heather. They uh, they said they weren't able to. We do have a response from that. So I wonder, I'd like to know, 12 days. I mean, I've been without power for a day and a half and that was hard. But 12 days, what, what did you do? What are you doing for things like showers, for cooking, just the basics? Look, I'm... I feel fairly lucky. I've got three children. One of them left partway through to go to university. And we've managed very well because our children are, you know, 11 and 12, 14. Um, but there are people on my street with young children. And even worse, there's one guy who's actually meant to be medically dependent who was also without power. And, again, nothing from Vector on that. There's just um, half our street uh, state houses. They've been getting, you know, having a really, really hard time so my children have been washing their hair under the tap. We could come and have chef here, but it's more effort to pack everybody up than it's worth. Go to the supermarket every day to get your food or have takeaways. Um, I bring ice packs into work each morning and take them home. I bring everything in and charge it in the morning, take it home. We've been fairly accommodating with that. It's not... It's just adding to every day, everything is hard. Yeah, all right. Uh, 12 days without power, Bayswater and Auckland. Hopefully when Heather here gets home this afternoon, there will be touch power. Touch wood, touch, touch wood. wood. Uh, Anna. Yep. Yeah. I, I just, Keep going, I Heather. Just, I just want to say how bad it is that, you know, like there's a guy here with, you know, he's got an electric wheelchair, he lives on his own, he's on oxygen, and one of our neighbours gave him there has been no communication from them. Even now, my phone tells me I they are investigating when I know that yesterday they came and today it should be on. So they, they're not prepared for the weather events. This is actually the second that has happened at our street. 
So it, the last time was five years ago, and it was exactly the same story, and we have talked to them about their systems, and they are not prepared. All right, okay. Uh, stay there, Heather. Maybe just... Um Turn to the left or right slightly to get a slightly better reception, uh, please, Heather, Anna. Oh, sorry. Yes, I just I really feel also for the people who work from home. It must be incredibly difficult to maintain your systems when, when these kinds of times happen and also just makes me have even more love for my transistor radio and being able to have battery power and also thinking that really this whole solar charging option must be must be coming through. We need more options around getting power and being independent from these big companies. Um, I've, I've, I've got a question. I was just wondering, is there anything positive that's come out of it? Like, obviously, this is brutal, and I, I sympathise because I couldn't go one day without my cell phone, I feel. But, like, have you, have you yeah. learned any skills or <laughs> that sounded weird? I don't know if you're wood turning now or something <laughs> like that, but is there any positives come out of it? I can tell you that there's an amazing solar system with little lights that I've now will buy one. Oh, Heather, you're breaking up a bit. If you could just um, move a little bit so we could hear you clearly. Heather, can you hear us now? Yeah, okay, keep going. Um, I was just going to say there's one solar set which you can plug in, which is really quick, that has lights and you can charge your phone. I've been out. Unfortunately, again, this is all costing money, which... I could afford, but I know that some of my neighbours have yeah. not been able to access the stuff. Yes, because you were saying also that one of the neighbours uh, arranged a generator, but that was costing around $60 a day, and the person does, does not have that sort of cash. He's um, struggling a bit with that. Absolutely. He's struggling to breathe. <laughs> so I, I didn't even realise where – I live in Auckland. I don't even know where Bayswater is. So people don't realise it's right in the centre of Auckland. It's like right in the middle of North Shore. Think, Lord, I'm not proud of my address. It's that. It's Takapuna. So that really is the heart of Auckland. And it really is shocking to think that somewhere so central would have these issues. And more than once. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is not the, this is not the outback of – um, beyond this is no. central New Zealand. Yeah. So in terms of the app, um, what about the app? Some people, what about the Altajap? Uh, what what does the Altajap say on on Vector and the updates? Do you get any updates? I um, I did get one last Thursday where they said that it was fixed. Actually, a woman rang me and she told me it was fixed and it must be a new bolt. But actually, the power line was still lying on the ground. Mm. Oh, I might okay. have lost my temper a little bit with her. <laughs> You've got to. I can only yeah. imagine. 12 days without power, you, you've got to lose your temper sometimes. I guess I the, the other thing, Heather, which is uh, pretty serious, your neighbour who is medically dependent on oxygen, electric wheelchair, and no help there or urgency from a vector, uh, how, how is that person uh, coping at the moment? Does that person have power yet? I imagine he's come on with us. We're all on one line. Um, but, you know, he's very emotional and struggling. And we all are aware that other people have been in horrendous experiences. Again, it's that continuously asking. And if they'd just told us it was going to be two weeks, as a community, we would have got together. We would have got ourselves sorted. We're pretty mm-hmm. good. But just this oh, tomorrow, couple of days, 
It's just oh, okay. Yeah. So the main thing for you really is less the amount of time. It is actually maintaining clear lines of communication with the power company. Absolutely. We know we're right. 14 houses on a line on our own for some bizarre reason. Um, but we can manage ourselves. We're resourceful people. This mm. is just, you know, they're just tugging at our hope strings constantly. It's, it's almost like a part of New Zealand culture, isn't it, where we, we struggle to break bad news to people and no one wants to be the person who calls everyone up and says, you're going to be two weeks without power. So we, I feel like in every aspect of life we have this. We don't say the actual problem and it creates a bigger problem. Well, someone says, here, I can empathise with Heather. Our power was out for 11 days. It just made everything else harder. So hopefully um, uh, tonight it's back on here. I mean, can you also appreciate the sheer scale of this event, a disruptive event the likes of which we've not seen? Things do take time. And that's what I keep saying. I'm fine with that, but Vector need a plan that communicates with people and societies and communities so we can get on and help ourselves more. Because they told us to plan for a couple of days. We did right. Gosh. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Now, finally, Heather. Um, yeah. A bit of a, a bit, bit of response coming through here. Finally, Heather. Uh, if it is on tonight, uh, and, and if it isn't, get in touch. We'll have you back on. Um, <laughs> Hopefully not. It, it's, it's, it is such a long time. It is such a long time without power. Um, what's the first thing you're going to do? Have a cuppa? Have a shower? What? I'm really looking forward to another hot shower. <laughs> Wow. That's, and cold drinks. We've got a chili bin, but, you know, and cooking. Oh, my goodness. We're going to eat food that's not on the barbecue <laughs> or from takeaways. Lovely. All right, Heather. All the best. Thank you very much okay. for doing Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Now, a response from Vector uh, said, since Cyclone Gabrielle, we have been following our storm restoration process, which initially focuses on the main lines, high voltage, where we can restore the greatest number of people most quickly. With the number of outstanding repairs on main line reduced significantly, we're scheduling more teams to focus on repairing smaller lines, lower voltage, to individual streets and properties. And this is what we're seeing in some areas of Bayswater. So uh, there you have it. Uh, same story for us as with Heather, Heather with Victor. Uh, only seven and a half days without power, but zero communication. They marked us as fixed several times, and it took multiple residents multiple times before they sent us someone. Huge praise to the overworked electricians, but Victor do need to upgrade their communication. Yeah. Uh, automatic updates, I got one at the very beginning, none over the next week. We were also very lucky. A friend offers us freezer space, charged all devices. Another friend offered hot showers, and after three days, we were able to buy a generator. Uh, totally agree with Heather. It would have been better to know at the start that it would have been a week. Yeah. Which seems to be the main uh, thing. Eh? So know, at the, know at the start if it's going to be a day and a half or 14 days. It's a valuable lesson. Clear communication, get out in front of it, and people can handle bad news. They're, they're tough, but yeah, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, I've learned something. 19 past four, the panel, RNZ National, Guy Williams and Adine with us. Now, a post-cyclone crime spree has been reported on. Some locals have reported people breaking into homes, threatened with firearms and theft. Some locals said there was no spike in crime over and above the usual and pointed to 
local police rather said that and pointed to disinformation in media and online. Tairawhiti's police chief alongside the mayor of Gisborne called for a bit of truth over the issue. So how to sort fiction from fact on this? Research on the response to disasters globally shows that these events tend to bring out the best in people. And our next guest has written a fascinating article uh, around looting and disasters, disaster zones globally in Psychology Today. Dr. Robert Bartholomew is an honorary senior lecturer in the Department of Psychological Medicine at the University of Auckland. Dr. Bartholomew is the author, author of Outbreak, the Encyclopedia uh, of Extraordinary Events. Uh, Dr. Bartholomew, kia ora. Thank you. Interesting, isn't it? Because when you look at other disasters, and I, I'm old enough to follow this in the media as well, um, cyclone, cyclone uh, Hurricane Katrina rather, I can recall the huge amounts of apparent widespread looting in New Orleans after that hurricane in 2005. And in fact, that became the story, not the devastation. That's right. And look, for the past 35 years, I have studied the topic of mass hysteria and social panics. And right now, you have a classic textbook social panic going on here in New Zealand. During these panics, a particular group is widely viewed as posing an imminent danger to society. These scares arise from prevailing anxieties, like the threat from the cyclone, as people unconsciously create scapegoats for their problems in the form of perceived evildoers. And this serves a function to unite communities against a common enemy. And right now we're hearing two different stories. One, there's widespread looting and lawlessness, and there's not widespread looting and lawlessness. And as you alluded to, in the the immediate aftermath of disasters, communication is not always the best. There is anger. There is uncertainty. There's frustration. People are sleep-deprived. They are fearful. And this is a breeding ground for rumors. And what are we hearing on social media? All these unverified stories that there are Mm. secret morgues that have been set up and unreported (laughs) deaths. So if history is a guide, what can you tell us about post-disaster crime sprees? Well, since the early 60s, There has been a disaster center set up at the University of Delaware. They have sent people boots on the ground to over 700 disaster sites, and their findings are very consistent. In Western countries, after major disasters, rumors of looting are very common, but the actual loot is very rare. And in Katrina, I can remember seeing these stories and had pictures on the news of people looting and carrying away TVs and stuff like this. And after a 10-year study, they found that it was mostly people scavenging shops and it was labeled as looting. Yet, as it turns out, most of the items taken were things like food and water. And so most of those affected by Katrina were poor and they were black. And that fed into this criminal stereotype. So interesting, isn't it, Anna? Absolutely. I, I'm very familiar with Rebecca Solnit's book. I'm sure you know um, Dr. Bartholomew, um, A Paradise Built. Um, that really changed my whole mind on this 
this whole topic and really the sense of genuine altruism that happens when people come together. And I was just in an Uber coming here and the um, the man from Afghanistan who was who was driving me was telling me about how absolutely overwhelmed all of these call centres and places had been with um, clothing and donations and how I've also heard over the weekend how many people just got in, boots and all, as Kiwis actually do, to help out their neighbours. And, I mean, I know so many people down in Christchurch, they've all been through these disasters and they do come together. But for some reason, the prevailing story is always fear-based, as you say, and it's, it's a big problem. Yeah, Robert. Robert, where 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 are these news stories coming from? Is it all social media, or, um, um, more mainstream clickbait kind of sites picking it up, or is it social media? I think it's mainly social media, for what I've seen. You know, the other aspect of the story is that here in New Zealand, when people use the word "gang," mm-hmm. it's a code word for groups like Maori, and it's well known that Maori are disproportionately represented in gangs and represent over fifty percent of the prison system. The criminal Maori, that stereotype can render them vulnerable to arrest for simply being in the wrong place at the wrong time, or if a European or an Asian were there, their actions could be labeled very differently. But surely, Robert, you can't also dismiss people on the ground having these experiences, surely generators being stolen, people entering homes, we've heard. If it's people's experiences there, well, Dr. Bartholomew, that's what it is. Yes, but you have to go by the facts. And right now, the government is saying that there is not a spike in crime. Crime does happen. Um, I'm sure uh, those road workers there said that somebody pointed a gun at them twice. Well, people point guns at people. Um, But (laughs) the question here there's been a spike in crime, and I have not seen that yet. And the other aspect of this story that's very important is that claims of widespread looting may function to bring people together, at, just like in Nazi Germany. You know, it brings societies together against a common enemy. And bikers and others who sit on the margins of society are easy targets and make for convenient scapegoats. So instead of rushing to judgment, I think we should proceed with caution and wait for the facts. I guess the other thing, too, just finally, uh, Dr. Bartholomew, is so interesting, this topic, isn't it? Uh, Because it has been really uh, been discussed that this issue, uh, in its final instance, becomes very political. Well, absolutely. And look, when when people like Christopher Luxon refer to certain groups as lowlifes and scumbags, that's not helpful. The same holds true with Stuart Nash, who recently referred to gang members as animals. That's dehumanizing, and that's not helpful. Really interesting to have you on the program, Dr. Bartholomew. Kia ora. Appreciate your time. Thank you. That is uh, Robert Bartholomew there, a senior lecturer in the Department of Psychological Medicine at the University uh, of Auckland, and he has um, spent uh, many years studying looting in disaster zones globally. And he wrote a most fascinating article on this very topic 
in psychology today. It is 27 past four. Now, Auckland is being warned to take shelter before a potentially damaging line of thunderstorms barrels uh, over the city mid service has issued uh, a thunderstorm alert for Auckland north of the Harbour Bridge with the risk of heavy rain, which could cause flash flooding and uh, damage. And Kate just um, emailed him, the main road from uh, Havelock north through to Napier via Clive has traffic backed up for miles, should avoid if possible. I just wanted a brief response on this because I wanted to bring this up. Extra leg room. Okay. It's a coveted commodity on a long-haul flight. And so in New Zealand <laughs> has announced, completely different news, yeah. a new option for travellers willing to splash a bit more for it. So the so-called economy stretch option will offer passengers, quote, more legroom, more comfort and more choice. So the issue is these seats aren't particularly new. They're going to charge 175 bucks for the upgrade. So the number of the issue here is, uh, uh, panel, that you get charged more for a little bit of extra legroom. And I thought, is that fair or is it not? Is that an extra add-on or... Wallace, Wallace. Yeah. Take your eyes away from Anna and look. I've been, on this, I've been coming on this show for probably five years now. I love it. It's the best show in New Zealand. However, every topic we've talked about has been something I know almost nothing about as I have no skills of qualification. For people who can't see me, I'm six foot six tall. This is finally my opportunity to talk about something. And Wallace isn't even coming to me, the New Zealand leading expert on the legroom topic. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing this story to me. Alleluia. So uh, are you incensed that you, Guy Williams, at what, six foot, six foot two? Yes, you know, have six six. Okay. Get it right, I said it. It's two metres tall. It's the only thing I've got going for me, Wallace. I need to hold on to this. No, no, you do a good show too. Um, <laughs> are you incensed that you possibly have to pay more by mere virtue of the fact that you need extra legroom? It sounds extraordinary to me. Why not just have it, hey, there's more legroom, yeah. go for it. Capitalism is brutal, eh? And like, I, Isn't it? I, I, I went to Spain. That's the I've flown all around the world, every airline. I've flown Japanese airlines. I've flown Chinese airlines. I've flown Spanish was the worst. Is it Iberia or whatever their national character, character is, like, ridiculous. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't put my feet on the floor. They were just w- yeah. yammed against the seat in front. Air New Zealand is pretty good oh, as, really? a, as a whole. And I've just decided that, unfortunately, it's a, it's a – it's, you saying it now has made me think about it, but yeah, if you're born tall, it is unfortunate. Generally in life, it's an advantage. Um, you know, like people found that it's easier to get good jobs if you're tall, or like it's like it's like a, it's a strength. It's much better on the basketball court where I just was, yep. ball hooping up. Um, but it's a it's 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 on a plane. Yeah, you are discriminated against, and I just I just took do it as part get, of the thing. Do you get sore? On international flights? I'm not too bad. I'm just within the limits. So like if I was one inch taller, and I'm also very lucky that I, unfortunately, because I'm ruining the world with the environment, but um, I'm a frequent flyer, so I get to fly in better seats. Is that a fair comment, uh, Anna? Is there something wrong with capitalism that we have to have two options? You mm. get more legroom for 175 bucks more. Shouldn't it just be you've all got more legroom? 
Oh, that would be amazing. But I mean, what, also, what, what have we come to? But all these airlines are in a heap of strife. You know, they've they've been grounded for you know a good part of the last three years, and they need to make money. Don't it, feel sorry for the massive I'm, I'm airlines. I'm not feeling sorry for And they all. make their money off destroying the world. Yes. What about this, though? What would be a more egalitarian thing? If you had, because everyone's different sizes on the plane, and there's me, and then there's, I'm a freak, and then there's, like, tiny little ladies as well who are there, or, or men. I mean, there's, there's smaller people who are, yeah. sh- I'm, I'm digging myself into a hole here. I'm not trying to discriminate against any group. All I'm saying is we could have different sorts of seats on all over the plane and you go, you get placed in your seat based on how big you are. No, because width as well. This is a good guess, idea. Width as well. Like there's wide people who probably struggle to fit into a normal economy seat. So it's like if, if everyone just took what they had and a skinny person has a little skinny seat and a bigger person has a big, and yeah. When it comes to air travel, life is so unfair. Now, by the way, uh, after, the new, after the headlines, a lot, a lot of response, by the way, regarding crime sprees, uh, so-called, and our lyrics, uh, what is the song? It is the night, my body's weak, I'm on the run. <laughs> Wallace, you're jumping over topics. I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. No time to sleep. Oh, don't be a worry guy. Our listeners do. It is time for headlines. Okay. Gosh, how do I follow that up? Thank you, Wallace. (laughs)